All right, let's dive into it. Today's episode is so good. I sat down with Jacqueline Gross, who is a mental health professional who specializes in working with at-risk youth. Not only do we talk about the incredible need for more mental health services in this country, but she gives us some of her tried and true coping mechanisms and tips for self-care that you can implement right away in your own home for you, your family, you can share them with your friends, whoever needs them, they work and they are must-haves for our toolbox. So we're going to dive right into it. Here we go. This is my conversation with Jacqueline Gross. Hey, hey, this is Alexandra Young, and this is the Brave and Purposeful Women podcast. Women oftentimes find themselves lost in the messy middle of life. Kids, work, marriage, or health. I'm here to help you navigate it, to find your way, and to find magic in the mess, and to live your life well. The truth is, we can't have it all, all the time. But we can have a hell of a lot if we simply shift out of survival mode and allow ourselves to thrive while pursuing a brave and purposeful life. We only have one life, and I want to live it well. And I think you do too. Real quick before we get started, summer is just around the corner. And whether you're spending your summer at the lake, the beach, the pool, or your couch, you need a good book to read. Introducing our first book box just for you. The Brave and Purposeful Women Summer Book Club Box is a curated box filled with three books you are going to love this summer. Each box also contains goodies and surprises just for you. We all need a little love right now, and this book box is the perfect way to fill your cup. The books are a diverse collection that show the strength and beauty of women. Each book is written by a woman author, and all the extra surprises celebrate women makers and entrepreneurs. In the box, you'll get three best-selling books by female authors. You're going to get all the extra goodies and surprises along with that, a customized reading plan for each book, and access to monthly discussions via Zoom plus a social community for our book club members. Are you ready to dive into a good book this summer? Then head to alexandrayoung.co slash bookbox to join the Brave and Purposeful Summer Book Club. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the podcast, Jacqueline. I am so excited to have you here today on the Brave and Purposeful Women podcast. We have so many good topics to talk about today, including sort of your path to becoming a mental health counselor and working with our at-risk youth and how we can sort of use your expertise to learn about some coping mechanisms and some self-care. So I am delighted to have you as a guest and just want to say welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I feel so, 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 so grateful. Thank you. Oh, it's so fun. So let's start off with just telling us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I'm Jacqueline and I live in Castle Rock, Colorado. I'm a mom of two and a wife of, um, of a teacher. And I am a mental health counselor in, um, at Children's Hospital here in Colorado, the main campus, so the one in Aurora, and I work on the inpatient psych unit there. 
Um, That is a very (laughs) important job. Yeah. uh, I've been there for almost, it'll be six years in August. So I've been there for a long time. Um, Mental health is just something that I've been passionate about for a really long time. I think partially because growing up it, I, we didn't really talk about it or anything. I didn't really know what it was or what therapy was or anything like that. So uh, after I graduated college, I just kind of, you know, I got my degree actually in human services with a concentration in high risk youth. Um, So I've always just been passionate about working with at risk youth and marginalized groups of people and mental health. It's just kind of, kind of my jam. The world needs more people like you to do <laughs> that you. type of work. So thank you for yeah. all that you do. Thank um, you. So let's dive into it and talk yeah. about, we started having a conversation just about mental health and sort of the safety net that we seem to lack here in the United States and how that plays a role into sort of, you know, mental health and what we have available as resources for the people you serve. What are you seeing in your line of work? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, is the lack of resources. And I think also the stigma around mental health. Um, I think a lot of us know whether you are like a mental health advocate or not, there is, we all are aware that there is a stigma around mental health. Um, If you're feeling depressed or if you're feeling anxious or whatever you're feeling that we should push those down and, you know, kind of like brush them away and move along type of thing. Um, a lot of the kids that I work with, uh, so most of the kids on our unit that I work with have either attempted to commit suicide or have thought about committing suicide. And a lot of those things are because, um, bullying in schools, uh, the pandemic, is a big deal. Um, I think as human beings, we need social interaction. And so when kids just got that cut off, um, that was a a big, a big one for a lot of people. And I think adults too, even myself, I could speak personally on that. It's, uh, I thrive around other people and I do my best around other people. So having that get cut off is tough. Definitely. Um, and also I think just, going back to the whole stigma thing again, I think when kids feel like they're, if they're feeling some type of way that might be bad, quote unquote, bad or negative. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're unsure what their parents are going to think or their families and they don't say anything. And then eventually it just blows up. Yeah. And I think that's so hard too, because we have sort of the stigma, like you said, like people we've been taught and raised that we don't talk about, talk about mental health. We don't talk about our feelings Mm -hmm. that any type of emotion can be perceived as weakness. And so it's definitely something we see, I think generationally, but also, um, yeah. So like you see the other generations, like we're kind of taught that way. And Mm -hmm. I know I'm seeing a lot more of the, my peer group talking openly about going to therapy, but it's definitely not something that everyone's doing or everyone's talking about yet. So I think there's still 
so much of that kind of fear into being open and honest about it. Yeah. I think the, you make a good point of, it is definitely, I think a generation, a part of it is a generational thing. I think also part of it is, could be a cultural thing. Um, I know personally in the Latino community, it's not talked about that much. Um, I have friends from other marginalized groups who, you know, they still don't go to therapy because they don't think that they need it. But then they'll talk to me about this, this, and this happening. And it's like, well, you know, therapy could help with that. (laughs) Well, and it's also an access thing too, right? I mean, it's expensive and it's not necessarily something that everyone has access to depending on their socioeconomic status or, you know, if you're a kid even like that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a huge thing is therapy is, could be, or is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people don't know where to go. They don't know like what website to go. I mean, I'm sure they know they can go on the internet, but like, where do you even start Mm -hmm. or what, what hotline do you, do you call or what doctor do I tell about this Um, insurance? I mean, having insurance cover your your therapy sessions is going to be hard. Right. Um, so I think just, I mean, even having access to, to be able to go to therapy or a, a peer group or um, mm-hmm. anything mental health related is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate that it's just not easier to get access. Right. And so that's where we see then this like safety net, right. That is, I don't think there is even one. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's there. It just has a lot of holes in it. Um, that doesn't exist for, especially for the youth that you are helping, but then also adults in our country. And so we see like, like you said, lack of resources, lack of access, lack of information. What are some things then that you are seeing from the kids that you are helping? Like you said, it kind of blows up. So is there intervention that's happening beforehand or is it really like, we're just missing a ton of signs until it's too late? Yeah. That's yeah. That's kind of what I was going to say is it's unfortunate because I feel like a lot of people, the kids that I work with, um, or adults, whoever they, they don't get the services they need until it's either too late or until, I mean, you've done something, I mean, no kid should have to attempt suicide to get mental health services. Amen. That is just like, it's not okay. And no, no drug addict should have to have a near death experience either in order to get, you know, mental health help or, you know, whatever the situation is. So what are some of the, like the warning signs then for parents to be sort of looking out for so they can help their children knowing that like 2020 and the pandemic brought a lot of that, maybe more to the forefront of how our children. And I guess is teenagers more appropriate, like how, like the ages that you're seeing, like what are maybe some of those demographics that are age-wise? Yeah. So, I mean, at, at children's, we take kids as young as like seven-year-olds, but those seven-year-olds are more there for like out of control behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the teenagers that we see all the way up to 17 until they would age out of children's hospital. Yep. um, uh, Most of them are there for 
um, suicidal ideation or a suicide attempt. And I think some of the warning signs would just are like a big one is isolation. Mm -hmm. If your kid is isolating themselves, uh, maybe not talking as much, they don't maybe seem like themselves being really quiet. Um, They could even be like on their phone more than usual. Um, I think that's a big thing too, is just kind of just doing things out of their, out of their normal. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're, sleeping a lot. So like sleeping and eating. So either eating a lot more or eating way less uh, and vice versa, vice versa with sleep too. They're not getting enough sleep or they're sleeping way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, just things like that. And that's a good time to open up a conversation with your kid. And I mean, as hard as it is to yeah. talk about this stuff, I think just opening up that conversation with them and making it a space where they could feel like they trust you and that it's judgment free and that you're, you're somebody that they can go to, to, you know, when they're struggling, because I mean, you don't want to get, you don't want your kid obviously to get to the point where the kids that I, you know, you don't want them at a hospital. Right. Right. And that's, I think what you said about like making, the sure your children know, like it's a safe space for them to talk about these things. I think part of that too, is then modeling that at home for your kids to like talk about your feelings and talk about how you're feeling and your emotions. Um, so that they know that they can do that with you. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things, and one of the things that I always try and tell my kids when they tell me they're like my, I mean, my kids are very young. They're only four and two, but mm-hmm. sometimes my son will say, I'm, I'm mad or I'm angry. I'm frustrated. And one of the things is no matter how old your kid is, is just letting them know that their feelings are valid and it is mm-hmm. okay to feel that. Yes. Like it is okay to feel feelings. Yes. <laughs> no matter who you are. Like if you feel upset about something that is, that is okay. There's no shame. Um, in feeling that, or if you're feeling frustrated or sad, I think sadness is a big one for a lot of people. They don't, um, like you said, they don't want to be vulnerable or perceived as weak Mm -hmm. um, if they're feeling sad about something and just reiterating that to your kids and telling them like, I'm feeling sad about this. And I know that it's okay for me to feel sad. And just Mm -hmm. have like, again, just having that conversation uh, and easier said than done, of course. Yeah. But it's, it, it just needs to be done. And it's just so, so important. I have young kids too. And so like one of the things we do is just even try to just name our feelings. So if they get yeah. upset or are in the middle of a tantrum, trying to ask them like, what are you feeling right now? Can you like pick the word to apply to your emotions? And sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard for them or they have like 10, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's start with one at a time. Like I see you are angry. Yes. <laughs> I understand. And like you said, just validating those feelings, I think for both kids and adults goes a long way. Yeah. And I think just even like familiarizing yourself with what feelings are even like there, because I think a lot of time it's like happy, sad, 
mad, you know, all these like surface level feelings Mm -hmm. when really it could be like you're feeling shame or guilt or stress, um, those types of things and letting your kids know that they're, you know, it's, it's not only okay to feel those other feelings, but just letting them know, like, even for little kids showing them like a, a picture of certain emoji, like what one are you like, do you relate to most right now? The red, the red hot face or the one with the tears, like, yeah, even just those little things. They are very visual at a young age. And that helps in my work um, in leadership. We talk a lot about emotional intelligence and being emotionally (laughs) literate basically is we show a feelings wheel and you can just Google like the feelings wheel. And it talks about the different layers to go beyond just happy into joyful into, you know, excited and like really pinpointing which feeling that you're feeling. And so highly emotional, um, highly emotionally intelligent people are able to go deeper on the feelings wheel than people who are unable to really focus on their emotions. Yeah. We actually have that, that I'm sure we're talking about the same one, um, that wheel at work that we give all the kids, um, because we want them to build that emotional intelligence and also just like the self-awareness. And so they could, you know, just so they can see, okay, well, maybe I'm not mad. Maybe it's actually more, you know, stress or whatever, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So and being able that. to like, look at that continuum to say, okay, I'm like soft anger versus like all out furious. And like, there's differences there and knowing sort of like, then what your triggers are for yep. each feeling, you can help manage them a little bit better. So to be aware of them and then to manage them. Yeah. And I think with kids, um, especially maybe like older kids after high school, it's important. Like what we ask our kids at work is like on a scale of one to 10, how angry are you or how, Mm -hmm. you know, what, whatever your feeling is like, what, on what, what level are you feeling that? Because it could be like, yeah, I'm angry, but I'm not angry enough to like punch a hole in the wall or that I'm going to get aggressive towards somebody. I'm more like at a you know, three or four where I'm just like, where are you feeling it in your body? Like, okay, my hands are getting sweaty. They're getting balled up. I feel my heart racing, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. So even just making sure that you're asking them, like, what sensations do you have in your body when you're feeling this? I love that. That's such a great sort of tip to think about, like, okay, can you do sort of like that body scan to get yeah. people talking. Like I use that to diffuse my five-year-old a lot to like get him to start talking. If he's so like in the middle of a tantrum mm-hmm. to even say like, okay, what color was the toy that you were upset? And like to get them talking and get their mind off of it. Yeah. But I love how you're saying like to use that with even teenagers to really help them sort of dive into understanding their emotions and yeah. then how do you can control them and to just even notice, okay, yeah, my hands are mm-hmm. clenched or my palms are sweaty, you know, like that piece of it is so important. Yeah. Because then that also gives the parents a, you know, it, it informs them too. like, okay, I see that you're, I see that your hands are clenched. What are you, you know, are you upset? What are you upset about? Um, yeah. that just kind of helps the parents a little bit more to identify 
without the kid having to actually say anything too. I'm jumping in here in the middle of this episode to share something that might actually change your life. I don't use that phrase lightly, but there are certain things I'm going to share with you because I know they are total game changers. Move Jovi to the top of the list. Jovi is a pain patch designed to eliminate cramps and so much more. Yep, we're talking about periods, but really we're talking about getting rid of pain and that is a freaking miracle. I have mostly mild cramps, but this patch has helped immensely during my last cycle. And the testimonies from others using it are incredible. There is no reason that we should have to suffer each month anymore. But here is where it gets really interesting. I still have some pain on my foot from when I broke it last year. So I slapped the Jovi pain patch on it and it felt so much better, like eliminated the pain immediately. But that is not all. My husband threw out his back the other day and the patch went on his back and it eased his pain too. And you know what he said? He said, wow, this really works. So if you know him, that is high, high praise. Jovi uses nanotechnology to intercept messages caused by discomfort, which gives your brain the ability to better manage and cope. There are billions of nanocapacitors inside the patch that redirect the messages caused by discomfort from your nervous system into the patch before they even have a chance to alert your brain. The Jovi patch then holds this energy, absorbing all those bad vibes for you until it eventually lets go and turns it to heat. So that's why the patch sometimes slightly warms up while you're using it. So needless to say, we now own two Jovi pain patches. It works that well. Call me a believer, but I am never going without this thing again. And I got you a promo code if you want to try it. Use code Alexandra20 for $20 off. And the amazing thing about Jovi is you can try it for 120 days, money back guarantee. Just go to www.meetjovi.com. That's www.meetjovi.com. Now let's get back to the show. What are some of the other sort of like coping mechanisms then that you use at work that might be helpful for our listeners that they could apply at home too? Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of what we do, which is, um, one of my favorite ones I think it's very, it's nice because it's free, um, is just deep breathing. Yes. <laughs> um, we do all types of, there's like roller coaster breaths where you put your hand out five fingers and then you just take an inhale and then exhale as you like go um, up and down your fingers. Oh, I like that um, one. So we call that roller coaster breaths. Um, we do box breaths, which is inhaling as you count to five or I mean four because it's a box. <laughs> um, inhaling, counting to four and then exhaling, going back down. Mm -hmm. Um, so doing that box breath, um, there's just so many different, or, or you could just do, you know, inhale three, exhale three, just something that simple. One of the silly ones I do with my kids is we do, we call it snake breathing. I don't remember if we saw it on like Sesame street or where we saw it, but you inhale and then you hiss out like a snake and they think it's the funniest thing to be (laughs) doing like the snake breathing. (laughs) Yes, we do that too. And you can't, and you, I mean, you can make it, you know, kind of fun with a roller coaster or the snake yeah. or anything like that for little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just something that it regulates your heart yep. and it will kind of just bring you back down to, you know, a, um, just a, a manageable space. 
if you were in a space that was not, you know, you weren't able to cope with at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so deep breaths is one thing. Um, another thing that we like to do is, which is also for anybody and fairly cheap, um, is just like coloring or drawing or writing, um, getting your thoughts down on a paper. I recommend that to a lot of kids, especially kids who don't like to talk or don't like to share their feelings, Mm -hmm. just writing it down, just, just go. And sometimes it'll just help you get out whatever you're feeling. Um, or doing like a mandala coloring book, um, crossword puzzles, word searches, that type of thing to kind of get your mind off or to calm you down. Um, just, I mean, whatever you like doing that you can do in the moment and pretty like quickly. And that could even be like listening to music, listening to a song that, you know, will calm you down singing the lyrics to that song. Um, I always like to suggest things that are cheap or free, um, especially because we talked about not everybody's going to have access to, I don't know, to do a coping skill that's super expensive. I mean, not everybody's right. gonna be like, okay, I'm going to take a five minute ride on my Peloton. I'm like, right. I, you know, I don't have a Peloton. <laughs> I would, you know, like, so right. making yeah, it I, inclusive or like we I live in Minnesota, so there's water everywhere. And so even saying like, go down by the water, I mean, that can be an access issue for so many people. And so I love that you are making it, you know, inclusive ideas for people to say, okay, yep, you can breathe. Everyone has lungs. Yes. Here are ways that you can do that. I love that. Yes. Going outside, going for a quick walk, um, soaking in the sun. Mm -hmm. That's always just a good, you know, just a good way to kind of decompress. Um, definitely. Yeah. Reading a book. So just easy things like that. Uh, I know in the moment it's hard. We always tell the kids, like, I think sometimes when you're in that space, it's hard to remember for yourself to be like, Oh, maybe I should start reading a book right now, or let me get out my, my, uh, my journal or my coloring book. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you have a supportive um, person or family or friend, even calling them and having them like, be like, have you tried this? Or have you tried this? Like, sometimes you just need that reminder to be like, Oh yeah, I forgot that I have all these coping skills I could try. Yeah. I mean, that would even be one, right? Like just having a support system so that you can turn to different people to help you. I mean, that's a huge piece of this. Yeah. And I think that's where some of the, the struggle with the last year has been that support system for so many people has been cut off or hasn't been as accessible, um, in person for so many people. Yeah. It's, I mean, I know that it's, I think it's just been tough for everybody not having somebody there. Um, but if you have somebody you can text a friend or maybe a coworker or Mm -hmm. a parent, whoever that you feel comfortable with, I think it's, good to just have one person mm-hmm. and not to the point where you're like relying on them to make you feel better, but right. just somebody you can be like, Hey, you know, I was, you know, I was really late to work today and I'm scared that I'm going to get fired. And like just something you can, somebody yeah. you can kind of vent to. Right. That connection piece is so yeah. important. 
so important. Um, okay. So I imagine <laughs> that the line of work that you are in can be very tough for you as well. And so not only are you helping your patients with their coping and the patient's parents, but what are some things that you do to help keep yourself in alignment and in a good headspace when you're surrounded by so much, um, trauma a lot? Yeah. Um, so I think one thing I, I do a couple of things personally, I like to paint my nails. Um, it kind of just is something that I can focus on and it's for myself. It makes me feel good. Um, and so I guess that's kind of like a couple of things. Like it's something that I don't, I don't need to focus on whatever I'm stressed out about. I'm focusing on one thing. And then it also just makes me feel good. Like, you know, like I look, I look pretty and I am like somewhat put together because sometimes I'm not, you know, as a mom, you're not, you're not always put together. It's kind of rare sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, I like to bake a lot. Um, what's your like go-to recipe? Um, I like to bake cupcakes mostly because Mm. I just like decorating. (laughs) (laughs) I just like making frosting and making them look pretty. And, um, I also like doing that with my kids too, because it keeps them entertained. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the big things that I like to do for myself is just, is hang out with friends Um, it's kind of nice that, you know, working in a hospital, we, I'm, we're lucky enough to have gotten vaccinated pretty early on. Mm -hmm. Um, so my friends and I will hang out. I'm a, I'm a big person that I need something to look forward to. Yes. So I know that, okay, my friend is celebrating her birthday this Sunday. That's, what's going to get me through the week and I'm going to look forward to it. I'm going to have fun and that type of thing. So even just mentally, like having that in my head, so having something to look forward to is almost like a coping skill. Like, Oh, this is hard right now, but I know that on Sunday I'm going to be having mimosas for my girlfriend's birthday and ha- doing like, just reminding myself that will keep me in a space where it's like, I can get through this. Like this is. Yeah. You know. I love that. Cause that is something I think I found personally really hard over the last year. It's just not having those things on the calendar. Yeah. And so it has felt very monotonous sometimes of just like doing the exact same thing. And so now as things are starting to shift and we're getting vaccinated, like it's feeling like, okay, like Mm -hmm. I can look forward to things again and we can get to that point where, yeah, Mm -hmm. you, you are excited for Friday. You're excited for the weekend and, um, doing stuff with friends and getting out. Yeah. Even if it's just something, I know that it's hard and everybody's comfort level is different as far as Mm -hmm. like going out, hanging out with people. But even if you schedule something like, okay, I know. So one big thing that I've seen on social media lately is like taking a shower, especially, I mean, for anybody is not like self-care. It's not like a luxury. You like we're it's, that's just part of like maintaining yourself. Because that is proper hygiene, not self-care. Exactly. That is just proper hygiene, but taking a bath where you maybe have like a cup of tea or a glass of wine, you're reading a magazine, you have bubbles, you have candles, like kind of like judging it up like that, that would be self-care. So even if you like scheduled something like, okay, you know what? I've had a long week on Friday. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy me 
the best snack, my favorite snacks and my favorite drink. And I'm going to take a bath doing something like that at home um, too, just so you have something to look forward to. Yes. I love that. Cause it can be those simple things that really fill you up and kind of rejuvenate you and help you to keep going. Even if it's not like a trip to Tahiti, I always say a trip to Tahiti. Someday <laughs> we'll like actually take a trip to Tahiti, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that right. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be that, but it does need to be something beyond personal hygiene, beyond your day-to-day that really does help you sort of feel like you are taking care of yourself and indulging yourself a little bit. Yeah. I think, I mean, self-care is so important for, for anybody, um, especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And it's self-care is something that you could do for your mind and your body and just like your social life. So whether that's, um, I had posted a poll on Instagram about what my followers do for self-care. And a lot of people said like meditation, there's free, if you have a cell phone or if you have a smartphone, there's free meditation apps that you can get. And that can kind of, you know, help you bring you back down. That could be a coping skill or self-care. I mean, it can go either way. Yeah. A lot of people said yoga or just going outside, um, a lot of exercise, doing something that you, that you truly enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important thing too, is like when you're looking at your own self-care, the reason like self is in there because it has to be important to you. So like, if you don't yeah. enjoy running, don't go running. Like yeah. if meditation makes you go crazy. That's not going to be self-care. It has to be something yeah. that works for you. Exactly. And so you may have to play around with it a couple of times, right? Like try new things to feel like, yeah. okay, this is what's working for me. And the same goes for coping skills too. You can get a coloring book and start coloring and be like, okay, this is boring or this feels childish. Or, or it may stress you out if you keep coloring outside the lines. Like Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, it has to be for you personally, like working out is not on my self-care <laughs> on my self-care list. For me, it's more like I'm going to eat some Takis. And I'm going to watch like binge watch a show that I'm watching on Netflix. And that just like will make me feel good. And it's something also I think that is important to mention is that you're not going to like regret the next morning because then that's not going to be, you know. So when I say like eating Takis, for me, the next morning, I'm personally not like, oh, dang, I shouldn't have ate those Takis. It just like. I I don't think about it like that. So in the moment for me, I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, licking my fingers, getting the red, the red sauce off of them. And I'm like, (laughs) cool, I'm ready to go. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's like the care piece, right? Like it's still showing compassion for yourself and not overdoing it or putting yourself in a place where you're going to then like spiral or have shame or blame too. Like you still want to be showing yourself some love and whatever you choose to do and taking care of yourself. Right. Exactly. Okay. Jacqueline, this has been so helpful. And I think we've shared a lot of really good advice for parents and for ourselves and how we look at mental health and even just starting to have those conversations at home and starting to like really bring that to the forefront and to really care about each other in a way where we can express our feelings. And then with the coping mechanisms and self-care of how do we 
have that ongoing sort of support for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing is like, feel the feelings, let people around you feel the feelings, give them those affirmations and validation that it is okay to feel the feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, normalize going to therapy, normalize talking about mental health, normalize, um, just, I mean, I guess all things related to mental health, because it's just so important. I think it's more important than a lot of people realize, Mm -hmm. um, especially during a, everybody calls it a, it's a pandemic, but it's also like a mental health pandemic that we're going through right, right now. Yeah. So the more people that are on our side, the, Mm -hmm. the better. And I think we're getting there slowly, but surely, but I think we're getting there. Definitely. Definitely. How can people find you? So I'm on Instagram, um, Jacqueline Bonet. It's B O N E T. It's not bonnet. It's Bonet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, I mean, definitely reach out to me if there's more, if there's any like tips or suggestions or anything like that, I, I'm more than happy to, I mean, I can talk about this for, for days. So and well, I could too. So yeah, we'll have I to keep know, this conversation I I going. You, I for love sure. you for that. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing your thank expertise. You. It's been so lovely to have you on here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right. That's it for now. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Brave and Purposeful Women podcast. You can find the show notes for all podcast episodes over at alexandryoung.co slash podcast, along with all the resources and links that we mentioned. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone by sharing the episode and taking a moment to rate and review the show in the app store. We really appreciate it. Live your life well this week, friends. We'll chat soon.